Here we go. Here we go again. Not on our own. It's together. It's Brian Anthony Davis and KT Smith, your host on Here We Go, the Steelers show. Yes, there's one more game in the NFL season for 2023, and it's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. It is not going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the San Francisco 49ers, but we're good with that. We understand. But the Steelers were winners yesterday. At least Steeler fans were, as the Baltimore Ravens are not going to the Super Bowl, something that I thought was going to happen. But fans all over are going to be winners because this is going to be an interesting Super Bowl. I cannot wait. I bring in Kevin Smith as we talk about those two games yesterday and the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are going forward with the 2024 season and a lot of things happening. KT Smith, what is going on? Three-time champion of the New Jersey state of football. Uh, how much, on a scale of one to 10, Brian, how much did you enjoy that that Baltimore-Kansas City game yesterday? 10 to the third power. <laughs> I mean, you and I were talking before the show, and we were saying it was it was one thing, obviously, as Steeler fans, we're, we're not we can't root for the Ravens. And I mean, I'm not real big on Schadenfreude, you know, the the German word that implies you know taking pleasure at other people's misery. <laughs> but but I have to say that the way Baltimore lost the game on Sunday was particularly satisfying just, just to see them come apart at the seams to self-destruct really kind of a sign of a team that wasn't ready to handle the moment. Uh, you know, that, that was particularly satisfying because you just heard for weeks and weeks and weeks, how complete, how polished, you know, how ready to win a championship this Ravens team was. And then they pretty much had everything that they wanted, right? The home game, the bye week to get healthy, the, uh, a chiefs team that, that, you know, is, is not what it was a couple of years ago and, and they couldn't handle it. And so, yes, I agree with you, man. That was pretty satisfying. I thought this team was going to win the Super Bowl. I live in Maryland. I don't enjoy anything about this team. I respect the organization. I don't have a lot of respect for John Harbaugh as a coach. Yeah, I know you do. Um, but there it's for different reasons. But I felt this was an undisciplined mess that I watched yesterday. And I we've seen it a lot with this team being able to get away with it. But one thing that I took out of this game more than anything is how much more respect I have for Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, how they willed a team that is not as good. This is the worst team in Kansas City in maybe four or five years. And I kind of feel that those two men, and there's a few other, Jerry Sneed, guys like that, he's doing many things on that defense. Yeah, of course, Chris Jones. I have a lot of respect for him too. But they were underdogs in this game. They went into Baltimore. It's not not an easy place to go to. And they did what they had to do. And I felt that... uh, they played a classier game. And I really, I mean, as much as I hate State Farm commercials and Andy Reid reaching for nuggies <laughs> and hearing all that, 
uh, how much that annoys me. Wow. Patrick Mahomes is in the moment. Travis Kelsey is in the moment. And they're doing more with less this season. And I was kind of impressed with that. And I enjoyed it more than I've ever enjoyed watching a Steelers game. And the enemy of my enemy is my friend. If we talked about that on bad language yesterday, but if that's the case, usually that's the case when the Steelers need that win to go to the playoffs or need it to benefit the Steelers. There was no benefit to the Steelers yesterday, but I enjoyed this so much, Kevin. Well, as far as the Chiefs go, I mean, we're talking about Baltimore, so I'll give you a classic Baltimore reference, a Baltimore icon of sorts. Uh, if you ever watched the fabulous HBO series, The Wire, The Wire, the day, one of my all-time favorite TV series, uh, I will quote the great Omar Little, uh, Omar, who once said, if, if you come for the king, you best not miss. I mean, that's <laughs> what I, I felt like, you know, the 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 Ravens had their chances in that game. I mean, they they had plenty of opportunities to knock off the Chiefs, who are the Kings right now, for sure. And and they weren't able to, to capitalize. And it felt like every time Baltimore squandered an opportunity, they grew more frustrated and less disciplined. And that was really a recipe for disaster for them. I, I mean, I, I don't know about, I'm not going to make any speculation on whether or not Lamar Jackson's a quarterback who can get them over the hump, you know, in his career, he's still fairly young. He's going to have more opportunities, but he needs to change his big game demeanor because this is the second or third playoff game where you've seen Jackson visibly melting down on the field, throwing his helmet, losing his composure. I'm not saying you can't be fiery. There's plenty of fiery quarterbacks out there. Tom Brady had his moments and Aaron Rodgers and all those guys, but the way that you direct that, uh, energy and and what it says about your composure and your ability to sort of focus on the task at hand is significant. So again, I just thought Jackson unraveled and uh, obviously Mahomes didn't, man. One team had been there before and they played like it and the other hadn't and they played like it. And I think that could be said about the Detroit Lions going in to San Francisco, taking a 24 to 7 lead in the second half and not being able to close it. I think that was a different kind of discipline. I feel like they weren't acting like they've been there before either. And But I think it was a great season by Coach Dan Campbell. But what happened with that? Was that more coaching philosophy than anything? Yeah, you know, I think, I think Dan Campbell, who I, I admire a great deal and obviously did an amazing job this season, if he's, if he's kind of in his quiet, honest moments, uh, really evaluating that game, would have liked a couple of those decisions back. I think, I think what you, can, you can be a certain way all year long and change that in a critical moment and not be uh, untrue to yourself. You know, like, I mean, Detroit was a team that obviously had gone for it on fourth down and was really aggressive all year long. But there, there comes a time where you have to be able to read the moment. And I think by going for it first in the third quarter when they had a chance to kick a field goal and take a, a three-score lead with seven minutes left in the third quarter, you do that. You do it. You go up by three scores. You put it on San Francisco to score three times in the last 22 minutes of the game. And they didn't do that. And then the, the game swung immediately afterwards. And then obviously the decision at the end 
to again forego a field goal attempt when you're down three points. I mean, tie the game, man. Tie the game. Let let your guys play on. I mean, one, I think one of the one of the rules in playoff football is extend the game as long as possible because who knows what can happen. And by going for it on that second fourth down and not getting it, I think they pretty much ended Detroit's hopes right there. So, so yeah, man, I'm sure he would he would like those opportunities back. Well, be that as it may, I tell you what, we are going to have one fantastic Super Bowl. I kind of wish that they would go back to the old way and have a consolation game. And <laughs> I would love to see Baltimore and Detroit play one more time as well. I, I think that would be interesting. I, I know that was something that was done in some way, shape, or form way back a long time ago. But maybe I, I'm confused on that. But I would love to see them play again Super Bowl weekend. That would be a cool thing. Or am I crazy? I that was being done when guys were making five thousand dollars a year and they yeah. had like side jobs because they, you know, they had to pay the bills. So you tell me, I'm I'm way off on this one. I'm I'm just gonna say that I, I'm gonna guess you'd have a hard time getting Lamar Jackson to play in that one. You know? <laughs> so if I'm the commissioner and that's one of the things that I'm bringing to the table, that means I'm not staying at the table. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. <laughs> It'd be like a. It'd be like when George Costanza suggested all you could eat shrimp day at Yankee Stadium. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's get into the Steelers because this is a really exciting thing for me. I Man, I've never been more pumped about a search for an offensive coordinator before because it means so much. Kevin, what does it mean to this team for this hire? How crucial is it? And can you explain the gravity? Well, first and foremost, it means, it means hope because – the Steelers went 10 and 7 with a near hopeless situation on offense this past year with a with a coordinator situ- situation that was untenable with quarterback play that was below the line with changing coordinators, changing quarterbacks, all of that. You know, th- you, you throw all of that in there and then you combine it with just a ridiculous number of key injuries on defense. This is a se- th- this the 2023 season was a season for lesser organizations that ends up five and 12 lesser organizations would not have been able to uh, weather the storm of all of those, you know, difficulties, uh, but the Steelers did and they went 10 and seven. And so now you say to yourself, huh, well, what if we get a competent coordinator in here? I mean, pretty much the whole offense is coming back. What if we get uh, a little bit better luck on the injury front on the defensive side of the ball. Can the Steelers legitimately make a run? If you watch that AFC championship game on Sunday, you can't tell me that the Steelers weren't capable of beating those two teams. I, I refuse to believe watching those two teams play that the Steelers were incapable of winning that football game with a little better injury luck on defense and a little more competence on offense. And so heading into this offseason, I think you start there. You start with the you know, hey, it let obviously it's a hugely important hire, but we're going to get better. We're going to get better on offense. Let's just make sure we find the right guy and maximize that potential. Zach Robinson is out of the equation. He has signed a deal to join Raheem Morris with the Atlanta Falcons. Raheem Morris is a guy that Mike Tomlin called the best coach out there that did not have a coaching job and now he has a head coaching job and 
now Zach Robinson is with him. That's an interesting situation. That's going to be a situation to watch, but we're not talking about the Falcons here. Kevin, who are the top three candidates out there? And not in any order, but when you think of three candidates, some have got gotten second interviews. Some have don't have any interviews yet because they are still playing. Their teams, excuse me, are still playing. And so when you think of, if you take a short list of one, two, and three, again, no order, who are the guys on that list? Right. Well, I mean, I'll give you the two names that I think Steeler fans by now have gotten pretty familiar with, and that's Clint Kubiak, the quarterback coach and passing coordinator in San Francisco right now, who obviously will be preparing for the Super Bowl, and then Arthur Smith, who was just deposed as uh, Atlanta's head coach, former offensive coordinator in Tennessee. Both of those guys make some sense. Uh, obviously, Kubiak, with his uh, dealings with Kyle Shanahan, makes him attractive because the Shanahan tree, the Shanahan McVay tree, that's all the rage in the NFL right now. And you think about the success that Kubiak has had in helping to develop Brock Purdy out there and what that could mean if he came to Pittsburgh. Also, Kubiak was instrumental in developing Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. He was there for a while. Uh, I think there's some distinct similarities between Kirk Cousins and Kenny Pickett. And I think that uh, Kubiak would recognize some of the strengths and weaknesses that, that Pickett has and would have some, some pretty distinct ideas on how to remedy those uh, or develop those. So, so he makes a lot of sense. Arthur Smith's a name I think some Steeler fans are maybe not as excited about. Uh, I actually liked his offense in Tennessee a lot. Uh, I think, again, when you talk about what are, who are comps around the league for Kenny Pickett, I think Kirk Cousins is maybe the high end. You, you would hope that maybe Kenny Pickett could be Kirk Cousins-esque at some point in his career. I think Ryan Tannehill's a guy who uh, uh, Pickett bears some similarities to. And... Uh, Smith did a nice job, you know, getting the most out of Tannehill. Tannehill played the best football of his career under Arthur Smith. And he also combined that with a power run game. That'll be familiar to a lot of Steelers fans. The outside zone concept, he really liked a lot. Something Pittsburgh's run a good amount of. Uh, the gap schemes, you know, you, you can picture Tennessee blocking down, kicking out. Steelers started to, started to get back to some of those this past season. So, I mean, I think from, from a fit perspective, Smith makes more sense or, or, or does make sense. Uh, Kubiak would be my preference. I think he has a higher ceiling. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be angry if they hired Smith, uh, but I think that I, a lot of Steelers fans probably would find that name to be less satisfying. Let me ask you about another guy, and I, I know he's already interviewed, and it's Gerard Johnson of the Texas, excuse me, the Houston Texans. And I know he's come in. What are your thoughts of somebody like him? We saw what he did with CJ Stroud this year. Yeah. So my only issue with, with Jared Johnson is he doesn't have a ton of experience and that Houston offense, uh, which he helped, he, he and Bobby Slawick helped to turn into one of the most dynamic in the league is very different than the Pittsburgh offense. Now, that might be a good thing. <laughs> you know, you might hear that and go, oh, good. We don't want it to be a lot like the Pittsburgh offense. And that's a point well taken. And there are some aspects of it that are attractive. For example, Houston did a phenomenal job of protecting 
C.J. Stroud. They, they really did a great job of creating open receivers even when they were leaving seven guys in protection. They did a really nice job in the play-action game. They moved the pocket a lot. They, they, they allowed C.J. Stroud to get away from the rush and away from the clutter uh, and to be able to see the field better. And that's something I think Kenny Pickett would really benefit from. Matt Canada did not design a lot of schemes in the passing game that were friendly to Kenny Pickett. So, so from that sense, if Johnson were, were able to bring some of what Houston does or did to Pittsburgh, it would be attractive. The only thing that I, I question is how much of that was scheme and how much of that was the fact that C.J. Stroud is a special talent. I think that C.J. Stroud could succeed in a lot of systems. And, and granted, I, I give the Houston guys a lot of credit for getting the most out of him and really understanding how to handle him as a rookie to maximize his ability. Uh, but I just I wonder if it will translate with Kenny Pickett or if they were to use that sort of. Uh, of a scheme so he would I would I would just have a little bit of you know the, the upside I think is great but you'd have a few questions about whether or not he can get it to translate in Pittsburgh that sounds great now with the Pittsburgh Steelers with them searching for an offensive coordinator that's what everybody wants to talk about but when you look at the organization right now at the end of the month of January and the beginning of February what is going on? What are the priorities at this particular juncture on their calendar? Right. So it's interesting. So, you know, we'll look at it from two perspectives, right? Uh, the, the coaching perspective and then the front office perspective. Obviously, the players right now are, well, I mean, they've had a few weeks off. They're healing up. Those guys are going to start to get into their offseason routine very soon. Some of them probably already have. They'll probably be heading for warm warm weather where they can train uh, and, and get their bodies back into uh, shape for, for next season. But from a coaching perspective, obviously Mike Tomlin is actively involved in the search for the offensive coordinator. Um, locking up Terrell Austin now allows him on that side of the ball to sort of go to work. And so if you're Terrell Austin and the defensive staff right now, the big thing that you're involved in is breaking down Every game from this past season, you're going to watch and chart every single defensive snap. You're going to go through every single thing that you did schematically. You're going to look at what worked. You're going to look at what didn't work. You're going to look at your tendencies, right? You're going to look at the things like, for example, let's say that you had uh, you know, 15 different blitzes that you used on a frequent basis and you can define frequent however you want however many many times that you set the bar as any any blitz we ran over this number we'll consider a frequently used blitz and and then you're going to say do we need to carry that many into next season uh how can we how can we improve that what where's the fat we can trim so i mean there's a ton of self-scouting going on right now with the with the staff uh obviously with the front office guys there's a lot of attention now being paid to free, the, the looming free agency market, which, which opens in about five weeks, and then beyond that, the draft. I mean, I think it's really interesting when you look at Pittsburgh, uh, their list of free agents, guys that the Steelers uh, have to sign, uh, re-sign. It's not extensive. I mean, there are not a ton of big-name free agents inside the organization. I mean, you got Levi Wallace, who I think the Steelers will let walk uh, you got Mason Rudolph, who the Steelers obviously have to make a decision on. You know, Montrevious Adams, they they may they could, depending on what goes on with Cam Hayward, they'll have to make a decision on him. But beyond him, I mean, 
you know, maybe you want to bring back a Marcus Golden for another year or Quan Alexander. But otherwise, it's a lot of guys who, who I think the Steelers will allow to hit the free agent market, which is great because they're not going to have to drop a ton of money on their own guys. And that's going to allow them. I know they don't have a ton of cap space, but that's going to allow them to probably address some needs in the free agent market. I'm guessing along the offensive or defensive lines. And so if you're the front office guys, man, you're you're starting to scour that list. Who are the guys we would really be interested in taking a run at in free agency? I mean, I'm not going to get into that, you know, the particulars of, of who we should be looking at, et cetera, because there's a lot of offseason to talk about those things. But one guy, one player, I think that's probably caught the Steelers' attention with his play in the playoffs and really all season long is, is Lajarius Sneed, the corner from Kansas city who reminds me an awful lot of Joey Porter jr. With his style of play. And he's coming to the end of his rookie contract and he'll be hitting the, the free agent market. And so, you know, the Steelers probably doing a lot of scouting on him. So again, man, right. Players are getting their bodies healthy and starting to jump into their training. Uh, coaches are doing a lot of self scouting and the front office is starting to dive into personnel evaluations. Sheldon White, Dan Colbert, that team, excuse me, I almost said Shannon White, excuse me. Um, Sheldon White, the what he, as the uh, chief director of scouting for this team, has done some amazing things here. And you know that he has his finger on the pulse of everything, um, not just free agency, but also the draft. It's going to be interesting to see how they work in concert with someone they have a great relationship in being Omar Khan and Andy Weidel. I can't, I love that dynamic of this team, those four names that I mentioned, and there's so many more in that scouting department that uh, are so intriguing, and I love to think about the possibilities. Uh, you mentioned a guy that they, it looks like they have their eye on. I'm going to throw in an interesting name, just real quick. I know we are getting ahead of ourselves, and we don't want to, but there seems to be out there some rumblings that, Maybe it's time to bring a guy like Tyler Boyd back to the city. Is this a kind of signing that probably as that third wide receiver makes a lot of sense for this team if they go ahead and look in the hometown kids direction? Yeah, I think that depends on the money. What's, what, what would he want? The Steelers are going to have to make a decision on Allen Robinson. He could be a cap casualty because he's going to bring with him a pretty big cap hit next season. I thought that Allen Robinson in the role that Pittsburgh assigned him did a really nice job. Um, not as much as a receiver, but boy, he did a lot of dirty work. You know, the Steelers love to get into those compressed sets, bunch it up. And they asked their, their wide receivers to block some linebackers and even some defensive ends at times. And, and Robinson was really willing to do that. And, you know, that's a tough ask. He's a big guy. He's a veteran. I think he's a pretty good mentor for some of the younger receivers um, but again, you know, he's going to carry a big cap hit. And if the Steelers feel as though they can't carry that, they want to clear that cap space for some other purposes, he might be gone. So that would then depend on, you know, what does Tyler Boyd come in at money wise? So I'm not opposed to it. I just think it's going to be a business decision more than anything else. Fantastic. Kevin, anything else that we're looking at right now before we get to dude of the week? Well, you know, I, I think that, Obviously, the Steelers are going to do some self-reflection in terms of where they are as an organization right now. This was a trying year. And in many ways, I mean, there were times where uh, the conversation revolved around whether or not Mike Tomlin 
not 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 whether he wanted to come back or whether he should come back. It was really one of the first times that you heard the national media begin to ask some questions about whether or not Tomlin, Tomlin's time in Pittsburgh was up. Uh, in the end, I mean, that three-game win streak that, that they authored to pull themselves back out of their funk and make the playoffs uh, really sort of put those conversations to rest. And I think right now, if I'm Mike Tomlin, man, uh, this is an off-season where I'm recharging the batteries and I'm coming back like full bore, man. I mean, I know he, I know he does that every season, but for me, this would be a, you know, a, a, a let's shut them up kind of season, uh, you know, for Mike Tomlin, like you, you, the doubters have voiced their opinion. The doubters have kind of come out of the shadows. Uh, let, let them start to sort of throw the shade on me and I'm going to go prove them wrong. So I, I, I just feel as though, man, we're going to get a, an energized, Mike Tomlin, because he had the chance. If he wanted to walk away, uh, nobody would have blamed him. It was a trying season. It's been a phenomenal run. Um, and, and if he walked away, uh, I think people would have understood. But he chose not to. And I don't think you make that choice unless you've decided that you're going back all in, man, pushing all the cards to the table. Uh, and I, so I think we're going to get the best version of Mike Tomlin coming out of this offseason. All right. Yeah, I think we are too. Man, I know the season's a long time away, but I'm getting pumped already, buddy. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a, an off season uh of optimism like we haven't had in a while, right? I mean, the last couple of years of Roethlisberger's career were years where it felt like the the the, the championship window had closed. Uh the you know the Steelers were still going to be competitive because they had Roethlisberger at quarterback, but they weren't a championship level team. Then you had sort of the transition to pick it. Everybody kind of knew that the offensive coordinator was was not you know a, a championship worthy coach. Uh this year was was trying with the ups and downs, but it feels like the deck's been cleared a little bit, and there's the opportunity to build something really special with a young football team. That's got a ton of promise. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it too. All right, it is time now for Dude of the Week, and we are going to go ahead and correspond Dude of the Week with something that happened on 50 years, excuse me, 50 years ago to the date of Monday. And we're recording on Monday, so it's 50 years ago today. Kevin, one of the greatest things in the Pittsburgh Steelers history happened. I'm going to let you say it. Yeah, man. So 50 years ago today was the famous 1974 draft where the Steelers built the, the foundation for the run that they had where they won four Super Bowls in six years, the Chuck Knoll dynasty, a slew of Hall of Famers. I mean, they'd already really started to build the foundation. So maybe saying they built the foundation was wrong. They'd already drafted Joe Green and and Franco Harris and, and Terry Bradshaw. But now, man, the construction of the palace began, so to speak, uh, with that incredible draft. Uh, Jack Lambert, Lynn Swan, John Stallworth, um, Donnie Schell is a, coming in as a free agent. Was that the Webster draft too? Mike, Mike Webster. Webster was round five. Yep. And there's one more guy to mention here, and it's Jimmy Allen. And I know he is not famous in Pittsburgh Steeler lore, but he was pretty good with the Steelers. And he ended up with the Detroit Lions. He actually, a funny trivia question about him. 
in the 1980 season, Detroit was uh, a contender. It, they started out 4-0, and there was a popular song at that time called Another One Bites the Dust. Hmm. And he was the lead singer in the Detroit Lions version of that. This was before the uh, Super Bowl shuffle. The Lions were doing a song, and uh, he was he was singing Freddie Mercury's role there. But as a player, he was good for the Steelers. They just had a lot of people at that position. He was a cornerback. Yeah, I mean, again, you, you think about guys like that who we don't even remember because of how good everything else was. It's funny, uh, you know, like you think about Lambert. Lambert Lambert was the second-round pick. Yeah. Uh, and six-time All-Pro and the Defensive Rookie of the Year and the NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, and pissed, right, right. Uh, Stallworth was a fourth-round selection. I mean, John Stallworth, who, who uh, just goes on to make one magical catch after another in later Super Bowls, Webster, a fifth rounder. Donnie Shell wasn't even drafted. That speaks not only about their ability to identify talent in the draft, but then, of course, to develop it, right? To turn those guys, some of those late round picks, into not just good football players, but Hall of Famers and multiple Super Bowl champions. It's really a, a, an incredible run by that organization. So, to give you an idea, Lynn Swan was pick 21. Jack Lambert, pick 46, John Stallworth, pick 82, Jimmy Allen, pick 100, and Mike Webster, pick 125. If you look at the uh, less, the rest of the names, there's uh, not many that I remember. Um, there was a guy in there named Charlie Davis. I'm not sure... Uh, not sure who he is. Um, he he seems, uh, but he did stick with the team maybe four years or so. And Rick Truschel is another name in there with a sixth pick, along with uh, Jim Wolf. They were back to back number six picks, uh, one forty nine and one fifty. But those names and a guy that wasn't even drafted, Donnie Shell. Oh my goodness, yeah. <laughs> this was something just absolutely fantastic i i don't think there's ever going to be another draft like this no all right can i read you something here brian yes all right i'm going to read you something okay ready the following was written by a sports columnist it doesn't name who the columnist was i think i've i've heard this before I, i'm excited this? go ahead yes I, i'm excited in, the, in the january 30th 1974 edition of the pittsburgh post gazette following the first five rounds of the 1974 nfl draft quote the Steelers seemed to come out of the first five rounds of the draft, strengthened at wide receiver, but nowhere else. They didn't get a tight end, and the ones remaining are more suspect than prospect. They didn't get an offensive tackle who might have shored up what could well become a weakness. What they did get was Swan, who seems to be a sure pop to help. Lambert, who figures to be the number five linebacker if he pans out, and a bunch of question marks. <laughs> How about that? How about that? <laughs> I have read that before and I love, I'm so glad that you brought that out because I did not have that at my disposal here. That is so funny. Um, yeah. Uh, who did they mention the columnist? It doesn't say, well, the article I'm reading from is, is actually from on Steelers.com. Uh, and it, but it doesn't mention uh, who the columnist was. That's that is so awesome. I abs <laughs> absolutely love it. That, that that is why Brian, right there. That that is why I don't know wh where you stand on this issue, but I 
abhor draft grades, articles, and pieces like literally the moment after the draft is over. Like, I know I, I get their function. I get their interest. I get why people like them. We run them here at SCN. I understand all of it, but it makes me nuts that people are great. I imagine if, if my students walked into the classroom on the first day of class and I, and I immediately assigned them a grade. Hey, kid, you look, like a, you look like a B minus buddy. You know, so like, you, you there, buddy. Uh, I'm gonna go D minus, and I think yeah. I'm be I think I'm I'm being uh, really optimistic for that D minus. Yeah, and then that that D minus turns out to be Jack Lambert. Yeah, that's fifth linebacker at best if he makes if he even makes the team. Yeah. Oh my goodness, you you don't think that drove a guy like Jack Lambert? I, I love it. So there you have it. Those got to be our dudes of the week for sure. Yeah, and, the 1974 draft class, but and few worthier dudes of the week than that. And to think about, we are honoring those players this year. And four four out of the five that we were talking, excuse me, five out of the six um, that we're talking about here are Hall of Famers. If I, I believe I have that right. Um and four of them are still living because we have Donnie Shell, we have we have Jack Lambert, we have Lynn Swan, and we have John Stallworth. Yeah. So and so that's absolutely just crazy to think about. Uh, Jimmy Allen has passed on, and Mike Webster has passed on as well. Um, but wow, dudes of the week for that draft class and that undrafted free agent as well. So let's get on out of here. I would love to talk about the uh, the draft 50 years later being as successful as that. And hopefully we can be talking about that in the next nine to 12 weeks. Yes, sir. Can't wait. It is time to get on out of here, KT Smith. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. We are so glad we are your host. We are so thrilled to have you here checking us out every single week. We will be back next week. We are uh, going to be here for you. If you want to go ahead and grab us on social media, please go ahead and do that. KT, do you want to tell us where we can find you? Sure. At KT Smith FFSN. And then over on our SCN YouTube channel, be doing video breakdowns of the Steelers all off season long position groups, uh, individual players, schemes, all of it. So check those out. If you like those video breakdowns, we'll be, we'll be cranking those out. For me, it's on Twitter at ba davis eight 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 nine at gmail.com. Oh, actually, I just gave you my my email address, um, which it's <laughs> out there. You can get that. No, I'm sorry. It's at Steel Curtain Bad. <laughs> that is, man, I I think it's time to get on out of here. But you can catch me anywhere that you download your favorite podcast. And here we're Steel Curtain Network. Uh, thank you so much. We will talk to you next week. And Kevin, we asked everybody to do one more thing. Keep your feet on the ground. Keep reaching for those hypocycloids. <laughs>